tonight. Father, Lord, our heart sings tonight. For you, Lord, you surely are God with us, Lord. You're our God, you're our Savior, you're our everything, you're all, all in all. We're thankful, Father, to be able to serve you in this hour, Lord. And we just ask that you'd come and meet our needs tonight, Father. You'd speak to our hearts. You'd touch our lives, Father. We just give ourselves to you once again to surrender our will and our way to you, Lord. We love you, Father. We appreciate you. We ask you to bless this church, Lord, and bless these meetings that are coming up, Father. Lord, may you bless each heart that's to be assembled here together, Father. Every pew, Lord, that the angels of God will station themselves, Lord, by every pew and around every, all the walls, God, that your angels will just, of mercy and grace, will just surround each and every one, Father. And to touch, Lord, we invite you to come and walk among us, Lord, to speak to our hearts, Lord. We give this service to you. We give this week to you, Father, the rest of our lives, everything that we have as an offering unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 5 and verse 12. I'd like to say it's been an honor to be with you this weekend. Amen. I want to thank Brother Ron and Sister Connie and their family for all the hospitality. Amen. You know, some people are just so dear to your hearts, and um, we're just thankful for the Lord and allowing us to be together in this time that we're living in. Amen. Amen. It, I, you know, you love to hear about Paul and, and uh, all the different heroes through the Bible, but we have heroes in this day as well, and it's an honor to be able to serve together with them and with you, amen, as the children of God, fighting the same enemy and uh, going to come out victorious. Amen. I'm not fighting this battle to lose. I'm fighting to win. Amen. So I bring you greetings from our church and also, of course, from my father, Brother Tim. Be here in a few days, but amen. We just love you with the love of the Lord. Daniel chapter 5 and verse 12 says, For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and he will show the interpretation. Amen. We'll let you be seated this evening. I'd like to speak to you this evening on the dissolver of doubts dissolver of doubts you know this scripture that we just read was at the moment where the writing came on the wall and the men of that kingdom and of that day could not give the interpretation but it was remembered that there was a man in the kingdom who could and who was able to give the interpretation who had the an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding of interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences, the dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel. Now, this was not Daniel's ability. This was not his own thinking. This was not something that he could, he could produce on his own. But, amen, this was actually the spirit of Christ that was showing through Daniel. Amen. The knowledge of God as it would come to Daniel and it would come into his into his life. Amen. And I, I believe that same God is in, in this hour that we're living in. He's still the dissolver of doubts. 
His spirit is still here. His spirit is still anointing men. His spirit is still anointing you, amen, in the hour that we're living in. Now, when he goes to dissolve our doubts, he has to, he has to give you a place that you'll be able to stand upon, that you'll be able to rest upon him. And he does not give you a theology or an idea. He gives you himself, his word, amen, that you can stand in the face of every kind of torment and spirit, in the face of every kind of doubt and fear and anxiety or whatever you're facing. He gives you something that you can stand on. Now, just because he's given that, and he has given us a message in this hour. And I, I believe this message that we have is a message that's been vindicated by the presence and the pillar of fire of Almighty God. Amen. Amen. Showing that it's not just the ideas or the thoughts of a seventh grade Kentuckian preacher, but it was actually God come down in this day to reveal himself. Amen. That God came to speak to us to show us who we are in the hour that we live in. Amen. And he vindicated in such a way that there shouldn't be any doubts, there shouldn't be any kind of thing that would cloud it. But you know how Satan is always coming to come against those things, and he tries to bring up doubts. But God came in at night after night after night, amen, showing him, showing that it wasn't just a man that was speaking, but God was coming behind it and saying, Amen. Amen. You know, as he said there in Revelations 3 and to the Laodicean church age, he said, I am the faithful and true witness, the amen of God. Amen. He, he's a faithful and true witness. Now, God does not witness or stand for anything that's a lie or wrong or, or you know, is... It's false or some man's own interpretation or some man's own ideas, but he is a faithful and true, amen, a witness. So it has to be something that's true for him to stand behind it, amen. And that's what we have witnessed in this hour through the ministry of William Branham was God coming behind it and, know, and be able to discern the thoughts and the intents of a heart. No man could do that. Now a man can maybe do something, say a few words of knowledge and get it right every once in a while, but this was 100% every time and there wasn't a man that can there's not a man that can do that Daniel couldn't do it nobody could do it only God could do it what was God doing he was coming behind the word and saying amen this is my word this is my prophet this is my this is my thoughts this is the mind of God that's being spoke amen I am saying amen to it Amen. I think of the time Brother Branham was actually, I forget the sermon, but right off the top of my head, but he was actually telling about the cloud that had come in, in the desert there and the picture that we have in the Life magazine. He was showing it to the people. Amen. That people want to say nowadays it was caused by a rocket or something like that, but whatever. But he was showing this and he was showing it that it was the angels of God that were there. Amen. As, he, as, he, as the seals were being revealed to him. And you know, it amazed me that people want to make it out to be a lie or make it to be a fable but right during that same sermon was a man that fell over dead with a heart attack and, and then Brother Branham goes down there and begins to pray for him and the man's giving back his life again what was it? it was God coming back behind it saying amen He's the dissolver of doubts and he, he has given us a firm foundation in this hour that we don't have to go anywhere else. He's given us a word to stand on, to dissolve our doubts, to give us a perfect peace in the time of storms, amen. But you know, that doesn't mean that you're not gonna have mind battles. 
That doesn't mean you're not going to have troubles. That doesn't mean you're not going to have tests. That does not mean you're not going to face fear or have mind battles. But mind battles are nothing new. They came right at the very moment the fall took place. Mind battles begin to take place. Amen. Could you imagine the mind battles that Noah faced as he built an ark? Could you imagine the videos that were put out in that time of how I left Noah's message? Amen, just because somebody can put a, a video together of why I left a message or why I did, that doesn't make them to be true, amen. They would have made the same things as Noah's. Could you imagine? I've been there and, and looked at the ark encounter of how they've tried to uh, replicate it the best of their knowledge and it's an incredible thing. No doubt there was many people that laughed and made fun of him and said, oh, you done lost your mind, you're crazy. Let me look at the weather. It hadn't rained in how many days before and there's no rain in the forecast. You're crazy guy but no doubt that every nail went into the wood that whisper of Satan was coming and saying yeah you just thought you heard the word of God you just thought it was it was 120 years he preached this but God's word his prophecy amen will be fulfilled amen and he dissolves the doubts how does he dissolve the doubts by fulfilling his word Amen. And Abraham, no doubt, faced mind battles. He waited on the promised son. It wasn't a quick thing. It, was, it wasn't just in a moment. It was some 25 years he waited for the promised son. Amen. But God brought it to pass. Amen. Sarah, no doubt, had mind battles. You know, God would speak to Abraham. God wouldn't speak to her. and She didn't even know if she was part of the promise. And she tried to fulfill it on her own and tried to bring it by, by her own mind and her own abilities. But that wasn't the word of God. But God had her in his plan. Amen. You know, you know, I can think of Abraham as after he received the promise. Could you imagine the mind battles he went through as, as when God said, now you take this boy and you go sacrifice him. Could you imagine the mind battles he went through? Amen. You know, you said, well, mind battles, I've got mind battles. Everybody has mind battles. The greatest battle ever fought, it is in the mind. It isn't World War One, Two, II, and Three that's to come. The greatest battle ever fought is in the mind. Because Satan has a right to attack you there and he's constantly trying to whisper in your ear. No doubt today he's tried to tell you this message ain't for you or he tried to tell you that, you know, that's just somebody else's ideas. Or he's tried to tell you you're lost and you crossed the line. He tries to tell you all kinds of things. Abraham would say, that when he'd walk up there, he said, told his servants, he said, you stay here and watch the mules. The lad and I, we're going to worship and the lad and I will return. Why? Why was he going back to? No doubt he had mind battles, but he would go back to the word. The word said Isaac was the promised son and out of Isaac shall thy seed be called. So he knew that if he had to slay him, God would raise him up. God would provide a sacrifice. He went back to the word. Amen. You know, as, but no doubt the devil stood on one side and as he said that the lad now returned, no doubt the, the devil stood there and said, Abraham, you told a lie. You know, he's always there to whisper for a moment. But there's something, oh no, there's something, Abraham said, there's something down here that tells me even if I have to kill him, I'll receive him as one from the dead. 
God can raise him up again. The lad and I will return. Why? Because God told me through this son that seed would save nations. And he changed my name and he put H-A-M on the end of my name. I'm the father of nations through this seed. I don't know how God's going to do it, but he's going to do it. Amen. It gives you something to stand on when you go back to thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. And listen, that's not just some Catholic Santa Claus story or some fictitious fairy tale. It's thus saith the Lord God. Makes no difference. We're how? We're coming back. Hallelujah. Amen. When you have mind battles about your own children and, and their salvation, you need to go back to the scriptures that said they shall be there and their offspring with him. I don't know how he's going to do it. Makes no difference to me. He said it. I believe it. Amen. Could you imagine Jacob's mind battles as he waited to meet his brother? But what happened to Jacob? It changed his life forever. Brother Branham said he, he was on one side of the river, a, a, a deceiver. On the other side of the river, a limping prince. He met an angel. Had thus said the Lord, changed his name. Amen. Moses had mind battles. Wondering how God was ever going to use a failure like him. He had tried to do it. He had tried on his own and produced one dead Egyptian. How God's going to use me. I'm just going to go out in the desert and forget all about it. He may have forgot all about it, but God didn't forget. Come on, somebody. You may have forgot about God's call and purpose in your life, but God hasn't forgot. Amen. Brother Branham had mind battles. Let me read this to you. He said, this morning, I was listening a few days to a broadcast that seemed to want to tell that creation just came from some ashes blowing together and some phosphate and a few chemicals of the earth. And the warm sunshine now created, ain't that amazing? It, it takes more faith to believe two little things come together and we got what we got today than to believe yeah. God said, let there be. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You didn't know an atheist had more faith than we got. Amen. Mercy. To believe that and all of a sudden... Two little particles floating out and who knows where all of a sudden happened to meet someday and boom. And now, now we, it was a boom, all right. It was let there be. It was a boom. Amen. He said, but that thing began to work in his mind, you know. And he said, I'd taken my little girl to school. And on the road back, I went to, he said, Satan started trying to punch at me that this is the way it was. He said, I was going up the street and Satan said to me, he said, do you know that this man you called Jesus was just a man like one day in his day like Billy Graham or Oral Roberts. He was just a man that just to have a few people together around him and say he was a great man and after a while he became greater and then he became a God to them and now it's scattered all over the world since he's dead and that's all. And I said, Satan, how a liar you are. Amen. That's what you need to look at that devil tonight and say, Satan, you're a liar. How a liar you are. And I turned as I was crossing the ground so I said, Satan, you that's talking to my conscience, I'd like to ask you a few things. Who was it that the Hebrew prophet spoke would come? 
Who was the anointed Messiah? Who was the man who foresaw him and told his life thousands of years before he got it? Who was it that foretold it right down to the letter? That he would come and be numbered with the transgressors, wounded for our transgression. He was grave was with the rich, but he would rise up on the third day, and he did. And then he promised the Holy Ghost, and I've got it. So you might as well get away from it because it's written in the Word, and every word is true. He fled from me. Just give him the Word. He is the dissolver of doubts. Amen. Jesus had mind battles. We can read about it. You know, we think of things sometimes in one way, but when, when it talks about he went into the wilderness and was tempted, and the devil taking him up to the holy city and seen him put on, brought him up to the pinnacle of the temple. If you was watching that whole thing, you wouldn't have seen the devil. You'd have saw this man going up to the top of a temple and looking down and, wanting, and going through all the strain of a mind battle. The devil talking to him. Amen. Amen. But what did Jesus do? He would take him back to the word. That's the only place you can stand on is the word. You'll only stand on your own conviction so long, your own ideas so long. But you can stand on the word eternal because it is eternal. Amen, God, but in every case, God sent his word. In every case, when they were backed in the corner, they could stop and rest upon the word. And you can rest upon the same word today. God has given us a word in this day. He, Christ, is a solid foundation we can stand on. He has over-vindicated this message. We can believe it no matter what critics say. No matter how Satan would come and try to tear it down, God is the dissolver of doubts. And one day, all these doubters are going to be left behind just like they were in the days of Noah, just like they were all the way down through the scriptures. One day, as they walked out of Egypt, there were some that doubted and were left behind. Satan's always there to try to bring unbelief. Let's turn to 2 Kings 6 and verse 24. And it came to pass that Benadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host up and went and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until Asa's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and a fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. So they was in a bad situation. I'd have to look that up. What in the world is dove's dung? I know, man, I know what it is, but what in the world would it be worth that kind of money for? And Josephus, Josephus actually was one of the theologians of the Jewish traditions and things. He actually says that it was actually sold as salt for food. And he had to pay five pieces of silver for dove's dung. And as the king of Israel was passing upon the wall, there cried a woman saying, help me, O Lord. We can go on down to the story of how they they had gotten such a famine because of the siege that was taking place until they began to eat their own children. It was in a bad situation. And they go, but they go to the prophet's house. 
And they go to the prophet's house and they begin to talk to him. And in chapter 7 and verse 1 says, And Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow at about this time, Shall a measure of fine flour be showed for, sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria? What a turn. Amen for a head of a donkey and for dove's dung to be sold for an exorbitant amount of money until where fine flour would be just as common. A few pennies could buy you a meal. And just one day is all it's going to be. There ought to be rejoicing in the streets. There ought to be shouting and praising God for the prophet had said, Thus saith the Lord. Now they had enough history with this man. They knew this man knew what he was talking about. Because before this story, amen, Elisha is in a, in a place there and he begins to, uh, he, he, he begins to be besieged by the, Samaria, the Assyrians. And you know the story. He walks out and his, his, uh, his uh, servant is all tore up about it and he's wondering why we're, we're surrounded. And he said, boy, there's more with us than there is against us. He said, well, what do you mean? He said, Lord, open this boy's eyes. And he said, and your eyes came open. He saw chariots of fire and horses of fire and angels of fire all around them. I want you to understand those angels are still here. Because the Bible says they encamp about those that fear him. Amen. Hallelujah. They encamp. Those angels are still here. And you would think after all of the things, and it goes right down to the, 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 the man there, in Syria, the leader of Syria, and walks right up to him and leads him right into the city. Amen. For the, for, for the, for, into a trap, and they don't even know who he is. They knew this man to be a man of God. They knew he knew what it was when God spoke to him. Come on, somebody. Amen, they had enough history to know when he said, thus saith the Lord, it meant thus saith the Lord. But the next verse said, then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, behold, if the Lord, uh-oh, that's a big word, if. If the Lord, amen, would make windows in heaven, might this thing be. So in other words, God's going to have to do it the way I think he's going to do it. Hello, somebody. Notice this wasn't capital L-O-R-D. This was little L-O-R-D. <laughs> the Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God, said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows of heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt, and the man, the prophet of God answered and said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. Oh my. But there were four lepers. They heard what the prophet said. Now I know leprosy represents sin and, and we, we take it down that road but lepers are also beggars they're also the lowest of the, of the totem pole so to speak but we were all born in sin shaped in iniquity but there was something on the inside of us that could believe what a prophet said Hallelujah. We heard a 
cry from another dimension somewhere. Amen. Those lepers says, why sit here until we die? Either the prophet's right or he's wrong, but I'm going to believe what he said and I'm going to take him at his word. Hallelujah. And he said, if we, shall, if we say we shall enter into the city, then the famine's in the city and we die there. If we sit here, we die. Therefore, come and let us fall into the hosts of the Syrians. And if they save us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall die. And they rose up at twilight to go into the camp of Syrians. And when they come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of Syrians to hear a noise of chariots. Four lepers. To hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. Oh, hallelujah. All it took was four people to say, I believe this word. I believe what the prophet said and I'm going to take him at his word and I'm going to go down there and take what's mine. Oh, come on, somebody. You have the moment tonight to be able to believe he is the dissolver of doubts. Amen. All he needs is one person to start moving towards a promise and the devil's going to hear a great noise. Hallelujah. It's the sound of freedom. It's the sound of a miracle taking place. Come on, somebody. All he needs is someone to believe, someone to say, yes, Lord, this is my service. I'm tired of the devil camping on my promise. I'm tired of him on my joy, on my happiness, on my peace. On they say, I'm going down to take back what the enemy stole from me. Hallelujah. Not one more night with the devil. Not one more moment with him. I'm going down and all of a sudden angels of fire, pills of fire begin to move down and begin to gather around. Woo! Hallelujah. Four lepers. If God can do that with four lepers, what can he do with a church full of believers? Hallelujah. Let me tell you, the devil's in trouble. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was a noise of a great host. So you need to understand, when you go back to take your promise, you're not going alone. When Joshua walked into the promised land, began to look over Jericho, try to make the best plan he could come up with, he turns around, there's a man standing there with a sword drawn. Joshua walked over that Jordan River into that promised land, but he didn't walk alone. There's a man standing there with a sword drawn. Joshua pulled his sword and he said, are you for us or for you? are you against us? He said, neither. What does that mean? <laughs> what was he saying to Joshua? I'm not on your side. You're on my side. <laughs> Hallelujah. The devil needs to understand. Amen. We're not on his side. He's on our side. 
is with us. Amen. In these times you've been going through, maybe some of the darkest trials of your life, you're not alone. So God open our eyes tonight to see what is around us. I believe tonight there's an angel stationed at every pew. Hallelujah. With swords drawn, just saying, come on, believe. Believe, tonight's your night. All I need is just a motion and I'm coming. And you know what happened? And they said to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. Have you ever thought about the devil having mind battles? <laughs> Hallelujah. He's having some right now. He's like, What is going to happen if they start believing? What's going to happen if they start believing that their children have been bound by drugs or alcohol and they start believing no matter what the situation, God's going to turn it around. What's going to happen? I believe. And he starts having all these mind battles. This is what was going on in the enemy's camp. <laughs> Amen. If we could just go down into hell for a moment, we'd realize the devil ain't quite as brave as he, we think we'd make him out to be. As we heard last night, he's stupid. He's a Philistine. I can hear him tonight. When you go down to hell for a moment, we crack hell open. We look down in there. Here's this devil over there. He's beat up. He's got bandages all over him. He's just finally getting over a few wounds. And Satan's saying, hey, you need to go back up there and try to get that Ron Spencer. Do you see what's, what I'm Do you see how I look? I've been in battle with him. I don't want to go. I want to be the kind of person that the devil don't want to mess with. I believe we can be that kind of people. The devil say, you need to go there. No, I don't want to go. I say, no, I don't want to go there. The last time I went there, they destroyed me. The last time I went there, they walked me from one side of that church to another. I don't want to go there. The devil is having mind battles tonight. Let me tell you, the devil is already worried about this weekend that's coming. Hallelujah, but I ain't worried. I'm going to the enemy's camp and I'm going to take back what he stole from me. Hallelujah. He stole my joy. I'm taking it back. He stole my peace. I'm taking it back. He stole my happiness. I'm taking it back. Hallelujah. Oh, come on now. It is the sound of the host of angels that are gathering here. Hallelujah. And the lepers came to the uttermost part of that camp and they went into the tent. Let me go back. Wherefore they arose, verse 7, and said in the twilight, and they left joy and they left peace 
and they left happiness and they left comforts and they left all the things that God had given to his children. Because why? Why? Because the land that they was on belonged to the children of Israel. Amen. And they fled for their life. <laughs> Four leopards walking down the road, headed to the camp. <laughs> also, oh, he's hired somebody to come against us. That's all. And they fled. And the lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp. And they went into one service and did eat and drink and carried then silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and went to another service and entered into it and came and went and hid it and they went to another service. <laughs> we do not well to this day of day of good tidings and we hold our peace. We, if we tarry to the morning light, some mischief will come upon us now. Therefore, let's come and go and tell the high king's household. And they came and called unto the porter and told him we come to the camp. There was no man there, no voice of a man. Oh, the devil's whispering voice had been shut up. Amen. The horses tied, the asses tied, the tents as they were. And they called the porters and they told it to the king's house. And the king rose in the night and said, I will not show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore, they've gone out of the camp to hide themselves. And then when we come out of the city, they'll catch us. Still unbelief. Why? Because he was leaning on the wrong Lord. He was leaning on his family's traditions or his family's ideas or whatever. We got all kinds of crutches we lean on. We can lean on generational curses and say, well, my grandfather had it, my daddy had it, now I got it. Listen, you don't have to continue with a generational curse. You don't have to lean on that Lord. There is a Lord for you to lean on. I lean on Jesus. Amen. We lean on our daddy's experience and our mama's experience. We lean on all kinds of things. There's only one to lean on, and that's capital L-O-R-D. But we go down. This was Jehoram. He walked in the ways of his father Ahab, made himself false gods, the people of Samaria have fallen just like their king. They'd forsaken the God of Israel. They didn't remember the words of Jacob, the Lord thy God is one God. So in wicked idolatry they bowed down as idols of heathens. Therefore the Lord of hosts suffered their enemies to oppress them. And they come to this moment, but for the elect's sake, Elisha's sake, the Lord sent a promise that the next day, food would, that could not be obtained at any price would be able to be obtained at the cheapest price. Amen. He did it for the elect's sake. Amen. <laughs> Amen. He says, we may picture the joy of the multitude when the prophet prophesied. They knew him to be a prophet. He'd been vindicated. All his past prophecies have been filled, that fulfilled. They knew he was a man sent from God and proclaiming God's message. Surely the king's eyes would glisten with delight. 
Tomorrow, tomorrow our hunger will be over and we'll feast to the fullness. But however, the Lord, little L-O-R-D, an intellectual man, a great man said, impossible. If the Lord would make the windows in heaven might be such a thing. But his sin lay in the fact that after repeated proofs of Elisha's ministry, he still yet disbelieved. No matter how many miracles he witnessed, he still didn't believe. He had no doubt seen the marvelous defeat of Moab. He had seen, been startled at the tidings of the resurrection of Shud, the Shunammite son. He knew that Elisha had revealed Benadad's secrets and smitten his host with blindness. He had seen the bands of Syria blinded and brought into the heart of Samaria. He knew the story of the widow whose oil was filled with vessels, filled, whose oil filled all the vessels and redeemed her son. He knew the cure of Naaman that was common no doubt common conversation in the court yet in the face of all this evidence he doubted his sin was unbelief Spurgeon would say it like this and this is just this is amazing he had a way with words he said unbelief has more phases than the moon it has more com colors than a chameleon. Common people today say the devil, that he is sometimes in one shape or sometimes in another. He said, I'm sure this is true of Satan's firstborn child, unbelief. For its, for its forms are legion. At one time I see unbelief dressed as an angel of light. It calls itself humility and it says, I would not be presumptuous. I dare not think that God would pardon me. I'm too great a sinner. False humility is unbelief. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm just humble. No, it's unbelief. We call that humility and thank God. He says that our friend is in such a good condition. He said, I don't thank God for any such delusion. It's the devil dressed as an angel of light. It is unbelief after all. At other times we detect unbelief in the shape of the doubt of God's immutability. The Lord has loved me, but he will cast me off tomorrow. He helped me yesterday, and under the shadow of his wings I trust. But will I receive help in the next time? He may have cast me off. He may be unmindful of his covenant and forgetful to be gracious. That is unbelief because God cannot change his thought of you. Oh, glory to God. A man can change his thought. One day he'll like you, the next day he'll hate you. But if God ever put his name in you, he cannot change his mind about you. He says sometimes this unbelief is embodied in the doubt of God's power. Surely this difficulty is too great and the Lord cannot deliver us. We strive to get rid of our burden, find that we cannot do it. We think God is as short as ours. Short, God's arm is as short as our arm, and His power is as little as a human's power. Fearful form of unbelief is that doubt which keep us, keeps men from coming to Christ, which leads a sinner to distrust the ability of Christ to save him. The doubt of the willingness of Jesus to accept so great a transgressor. But the most hideous of all is the traitor in his true colors, blaspheming God and madly denying his existence. 
But in every one of them, it's still unbelief. Amen. Brother Brandon would say the greatest enemy God's got, greatest enemy's faith God is unbelief. He said, you know, even Jesus himself could not do mighty miracles because of their unbelief. No matter what they saw. But we find the battle comes in the minds. The greatest battle ever fought. Brother Brown talked about the mind where, where God took the heart, Satan takes the mind. And Satan's always there in your mind. Every day. It seemed like every moment, thoughts. Oh, Brother Brandon would tell, the, tell it, and it's so true, it's so simple. He said, you know, you can't keep, it's like a bird. You can't keep them from flying over your head. But you can keep them from building a nest. But man, some of us walk around with these huge nests. Look like ten crows live in that dude. Amen. We got all kinds of things and we've allowed Satan to cram on time. Listen, I know. I've, I've been there. We, we build all these thought kingdoms, you know, and these thoughts and Satan's in our thoughts and our minds. And next thing we're so low that we can't even get enough, enough victory about us to raise our hands in church and to worship God anymore. Why? Because of our thoughts. But let me let you in on something. It ain't your thoughts. It's the devil's thoughts. Come on now. It's his thoughts. Amen. It's his iniquity. It's his sin. It's his lies. It ain't mine. Hallelujah. I don't know. Maybe it's safe to tell this here. We, uh, my dad had a, in his house these certain birds, and I won't call the name because it's basically illegal to shoot them. <laughs> but anyway, they like to build big mud huts on the side of your house. He was building this hut on the side of his house, and we tried to shoo it off, tried to be nice, tried to do everything we could. You know what take care of it? Kaboom. <laughs> yeah. Hope ain't no tree huggers here tonight. But that house wasn't the bird's house. He was trying to take something that wasn't his, a place that wasn't his, that never, ever, ever, ever belonged to him. <laughs> and the devil wants to do the same thing to you. Take a part of your mind and your mind and take places that never, ever, 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 ever belonged to him. Amen. But I know one thing to take him out. It's a double-barrel shotgun. The Old and New Testament. Aim that promise right at him and say, Devil, I'm not taking another moment from you. Hallelujah. You can't help him from coming in, but don't let him build a nest. Don't let him get a foothold. Take him back to the word. You say the word is true. You take the word, he says, let the Spirit come into your heart. Open your mind and say, Thy word is true. How many can say that tonight? Thy word is true. And Lord, I ain't going to pay any attention to how I feel, or what anybody says, what self says. 
I'm stopped, I'm blowing out every avenue, all the frustrations and the doubts and unbelief that I ever had, every feeling I ever had, all the sickness I ever had, everything else I had, I'm blowing it all out. I'm bypassing by that and I'm coming straight to thy spirit, oh Lord. You said you made me a free moral agent. You are my son. He said, all right, I'll open up my heart, my mind. Come in, Lord Jesus. He said, grab the faith, the sword of the spirit and say, thus saith the Lord and scream hallelujah <laughs> he said then go to cutting every enemy in front of you there it is cut every enemy that old spooky spirit making you feel all down cut him out of the way cut that thing out with the word of the Lord and say the joy of the Lord is my strength get out of my way whack you cut him with the word. You keep going down through every sickness, through every disease. Take the word, the spirit, and the sword and go to whacking him with it. Oh, hallelujah. And let's grab our promises tonight and go to whacking him with it. This is how I fight my battles. I don't fight my battles with my own abilities or my own mind or my own intellectual understanding. I fight my but This is how I fight my battles. Because he is the dissolver of doubts. Hallelujah. He said when you whack it the first time and it don't seem to move, whack it again. If I put a gun bullet in that gun and I shot and I missed, I didn't go throw the gun away and say forget it and let him build. No, I went back out there with another bullet. Amen, it's time we quit being a bunch of sissies and, and allowing the devil to push things on us. Allowing him to come into our, come on fathers, allowing him to come into our homes and take our children, our wife. It's time we make a stand and be courageous and stand on the word of God. Put another bullet in the gun. That bullet will work if it's aimed in the right direction. Listen, if the bullet don't hit the mark, it ain't the bullet's fault. Just adjust a little bit. Amen. He said it don't move, whack it again. Maybe it ain't even moved yet in this service. Just keep on whacking. He said whack it until you chip a hole through. He said like a little chicken pipping itself out. Maybe you've been in a shell. Been all shelled in. Satan's talked you into your corner, into this little hole. You know what happens? It happens when we get in those conditions. Let me read you something right quick. I may have read this here before, but this is worth reading again if I can find it. What happens when we get in our little in our little corner? We get all we got all all into our our own thoughts and it's, our world becomes all about us and pretty soon we lose the burden for others we lose the burden for other people and it becomes just about us and our problems time some of you start pecking your way out I can't do it listen a little chickie in a pet in an egg you want to help him so bad because you're you know you, you can able just but you'll kill him 
He'll die right there. If you try it, he's trying to get his way out. I can't do it for you, Brother Ron. Can't do it. Nothing. There ain't enough amount of counseling can help if you don't start pecking. Start whacking at it. Saying, I'm not going, I'm not going to be this way. This ain't who I am. Listen, you don't have to be living with a bitterness in your heart. You don't have to be living with unforgiveness in your heart. You know what he said, what Jesus said in his own prayer? He said, forgive us as we forgive others. So what was he saying? The same forgiveness that you give is the forgiveness you'll receive. We want God to forgive us of all kinds of things like that man that Jesus talks about. He was forgiven. I, I don't know, I preached a sermon about heart trouble. Heart trouble over $17. 17 bucks. I cut the noise. 17 bucks. Remember the story Jesus telling you know why I'm going here, but we're going. There was a man went to the king, owed him. If you added it up, it was in the millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. And the king was going to take his children, take everything he had, and he begged for forgiveness, and the king wrote it all off, pardon. He walks out the door of the church, I mean of the of the uh, <laughs> of the castle. Walks outside and there was this man that owed him $17. And he took everything he had from him and throwed him into prison. The forgiveness that you give is the forgiveness you'll receive. Listen to this. Life is a series of problems. Either you're in one now or you're just coming out of one or you're getting ready to go into another one. woo but the reason for this is that God is more interested in your character than your comfort. Amen. God is more interested in your character than your comfort. God is more interested in making your life holy than he is making your life happy. You can be happy here on earth, but that's not the goal of life. The goal is to grow in the character of Christ's likeness. No matter how good things are in your life, there's always something bad that needs to be worked on. No matter how bad things are in your life, there's always something good you can thank God for. You can focus on your purpose or you can focus on your problems. You can focus on your problems. When you do that, you're going into self-centeredness, which is my problem, my issues, and my pain. And But one of the easiest ways to get rid of the pain is to get your focus off yourself and get it back onto God and to others. Amen. So we need to ask ourselves, am I going to live for possessions or popularity? Am I going to be all right? Am I going to be driven by pressures and guilt and bitterness or materialism? Or am I going to be driven by God's purpose for my life? So when I get up in the morning, I want to sit on the side of my bed and say, God, if I don't get anything else done today, I want to know you more and love you better. See, God put us on earth. He didn't put us here just to fulfill a to-do list. Because he's more interested in what I am than what I do. Therefore, that's why he calls us human beings and not human doings. So in happy moments, praise God. Difficult moments, seek God. Quiet moments, worship God. Painful moments, trust God. In every moment, thank God. Amen. Thank God. I thank him because he called me in this hour. 
the greatest hour there ever was to live in. And yes, it's dark. And yes, it's terrible. And there's a terrible oppression and all these things. But I'm not looking to that. I'm looking to the author and the finisher of my faith. He put me here for a purpose. He's the dissolver of doubts. Mercy. Y'all have no reason to disbelieve. Matter of fact, it would be as they say, a sin to disbelieve. How many times has God showed things in this church and it's come to pass? I mean, mercy, how many miracles and things and visions do we have to point to? I think about the moment Brother Ron was laying in the hospital and I'll never forget when it swept over me as he spoke about last night. My dad had called me out to the barn. He came home early from a meeting because he just felt the pressure to go see Brother Ron. He just didn't know what was going on and wanted to go see for himself. He called me out that morning to the barn. He said, I need to talk with you. And uh, he just flew in the Sunday night. This was Monday morning. And he says, I got this. I don't know. We're getting word. Everything that they're putting out is, sounds good. He said, but then Brother Barry Coffey or somebody had called him and told him what was really going on. And he said, I, I got to go for myself. He said, I think I'm going to do some things. And I, I got tomorrow. And he said, I'll probably leave out Wednesday morning. And he just, you got to go now. He said, he looked at me, I'll never forget. He said, now? I said, yes, now. Now's the moment. He said, well, what about your mom? What about the chores? I said, Dad, we can take care of the chores. I'll go tell the family to come on out. We'll take care of it. And I'll run down there and tell Mom to get her clothes packed. We're, you're leaving. A couple of minutes, 30, 45 hours, something. It wasn't very long. They was out the door and gone. I'll never forget that moment. But I think about that moment. How many lives were impacted by that moment? This church. Because at that moment, Brother Andrew wasn't where he is today. God knows all things. He's the dissolver of doubts. This church wouldn't be where it is if that moment would have had a different outcome. And I'm talking about Brother Ron's life. We've got no reason to disbelieve. We've seen it time after time after time. God's a dissolver of doubts. He knows how to answer the questions in your life. He knows exactly how to come to where you're living at and tell you exactly what you're going through and tell you exactly you're about to make a mistake you need to do it this way. You need to go this way. This is what the Lord said. God knows all about it. Listen, he knows your zip code. He knows your address. He knows the room you sleep in. <laughs> and he's concerned about the most minute detail. You know, we put God somewhere way off somewhere, and, you know, he's off in the clouds floating somewhere, and, you know, he's left, and we're here fighting it. No, he's right here among us. 
He knows exactly what this age is like. He knows exactly the pressures you're going through. He knows exactly the trouble you're having on your job or the situations you're facing in your marriage or whatever. He knows all about it. Down to the minute detail. And listen, let me tell you something. This, the, 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 the anointing that we witnessed in, 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 in the ministry of William Branham was not William Branham. That was just a vessel God chose to use. He could have chose somebody else, but he chose William Branham. But it was, he said, I was just there when it happened. Amen. The anointing is still here. In a five-fold ministry, God knew we needed that gift. He knew we needed every gift. He knows this church needs you. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, you're not just on the sidelines anymore. You're on the front lines. Amen. It's time to pick up your sword and go to fighting this enemy and say, I'm not going to stand for some legalism. I'm not going to stand for some theology or some creed. I'm not going to stand for some cold, cold formal devil or some cold formal worship. I am going to stand for truth and righteousness and godliness and holiness. Amen. I've witnessed he is still among us. He is still here. He's still the dissolver of doubts. Amen. You're not just a a teenager passing through or or a man out on a job just to fulfill a a to-do list or something. There's a purpose for your life. This church was put here for a purpose. Amen. Not just to take up some acreage on the side of a hill, but the purpose of Almighty God is being fulfilled. Well, I can see it over there. I can see it. No, it's time you start looking. He's walking among us. Get rid of the ifs. If God's, if God. You know, it's what happened to my little, you have seen her last year. Her, her hair now is about halfway down her back, Sister Mariah. One day God got rid of her if. She knew, or if God can. I know he can, but if he'll do it for me. But one morning, she got up and her mom was in there making breakfast or doing something in the kitchen. Had a tape playing. Brother Branham singing that song, I can, I will, I do believe. Got rid of her ifs. She jumped up off her bed and pinned that little note down, I can, I will, I do believe, and she nailed it to the wall. And every morning she'd look at that sign, I can, I will, I do believe. And she began to believe it. To where she'd walk into a prayer line and hand me some little bobby pins and say, Uncle Timothy, I'm going to wear these. I'm going to wear these again. Amen. And on on Mother's Day, she showed me her, she took her hat off for me. Said, look at my hair. It was a bald head. But I can, I will, I do believe. Look at my hair. It was a bald head. Mother's Day. 
And just a few weekends later, on Father's Day weekend, we had our family camp. Brother Ron was there. He called her to the front, probably not knowing what she was about to do. And she jerked off her hat, and it was a full head of hair. I can, I will, I do believe. He is the dissolver of doubts. All he needs is one believer, one person to say, yes, Lord, I can, I will, I do believe. This is my promise. This belongs to me. Satan, you are a liar. Hallelujah. Is there somebody here that says, that's me? I can. I can't believe it. He said it. That's good enough for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, he's the same God for my sister Esther. I can, I will, I do believe. Hallelujah. The same God that gave a little girl hair is the same God that will start a life in a womb. We know it already. He's already done it before. He can do it again. I can. I will. I do. Oh, come on, somebody. I can believe. I will believe. Satan, whack. Whack. I can. I will. I do believe. Because there's a young person that say, yes, this message is for me. This Holy Ghost is for me. Satan, you're a liar. It belongs to me. I can believe it. Because he said so. Glory to God. Is there somebody that just want to say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What is that sound I hear? I hear the chariots of fire and angels of fire. I hear the mighty God, the rushing mighty wind. Hallelujah. That same one is in the building tonight and he's lifted up depression and he's lifted up fear and he's taken it all away. And where is that going? Back to who it belongs to. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. I can believe. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You got just a few more minutes. If I can find out where I'm at for a moment. He says, it was Moses, after being in the line of his royal seed, the seed of Abraham, he was sent down to Egypt to deliver the children of Israel. God had given him signs and wonders to perform, to smite the earth and bring forth frogs and fleas and darkness and hell and rain and fire and done all these miracles. And he led them by the hand of Jehovah. There came a time when he, he met the gate between him and the promised land. There was a Red Sea, a bar crossing their way. They were hemmed on one side by Pharaoh's army, mountains and deserts, the Red Sea. But Moses stepped forth to possess the gate of his enemy. He crossed the Red Sea, dry land, as he's walking on a dusty road. He was possessing, why? Because God said so. Makes all the difference in the world when God says so. But it was only a few years later when trials come, a few days, the church got all shook up. He said, it's so easy for a congregation of people to do that. 
when something just don't seem to happen the way it's supposed to be. He said, God makes it that way. Listen to this. This is, this is going to kind of shake you maybe. I don't know. God brings tensions into the church. Every son that comes to God must be tried and proven and tested. He lets sickness strike you. He lets diseases come on you to test you, to prove you, to show the world that you are truly the seed of Abraham. He permits it by his own will. He permits disaster. He permits friends to turn against you. He permits all these things. He turns the devil loose to tempt you. And he'll do it all but take your life. He can throw you on a bed of affliction. He can turn the neighbors against you. He can turn the church against you. He can do almost anything. It's God's will for him to do it. We are taught that it's more precious to us than gold. Brother Danny Del Mundo just spoke a wonderful service on the making of a bride, and he took it out of Job. You can read the first chapter of Job and see all the destruction and all the loss that he took. But then you can go down to the end of Job and see how it was restored double. And in the middle, Job made the declaration, though God slay me, I'm going to trust him. And he made the declaration, he made the declaration and said, amen, the Lord knoweth the way I take, and that I'll come as out as pure gold. He said, sometimes we're so concerned about what's going on in the middle of it. He said, but we need to start looking at the end. Amen. Amen. If the children of Israel would have done that, God said, I'm going to take you out of Egypt and I'm going to take you into a land flowing with milk and honey. He never mentioned one word about the Red Sea. Never said nothing about the desert. Never did say anything about the maybe hungry or thirsty or dry. Didn't say nothing about any of that. He just said, I'm going to take you out, and I'm going to take it in. That should have been enough. Because God had it already taken care of. The Red Sea was taken care of. He already had a rock in the wilderness. He already had plenty of food supplied. He already had it taken care of. But what happened? They got their eyes on the middle and forgot who he was at the beginning and what he said he was going to be at the end. Come on, somebody. He said to you, I'll take you out of your sins or your creeds and your dogmas and I'm going to take you in. He don't mention all what happens in between, but he's already got the answer for it. God's not concerned. He's not fretting. He's never had the thought of worry. How's it going to happen? How am I going to get a bride without spot? Without? He said, I'll have a bride without spot, without wrinkle." He says, what about Abraham and Isaac on the mountain? The one promise was given by his loyalty and knowing his faith in Jehovah is through that. And that alone God looked down and said, his seed shall possess the gates. I swore by myself that I'll do these things. There's no one greater. He could swear by himself, but he swore by, so he swore by himself. Then he let Abraham be tested to that final place. He's got to test you and me for that final moment, that time of decision when everything is away from you. You have to stand alone there, but hallelujah. He says, stand alone walk out there and say though God slay me yet I'll trust him that is the seed of Abraham he's the one that gave the promise no matter what the rest of themselves says what the rest of them do as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord if the rest of them says there's nothing to experience it's a bunch of excitement for me and my house 
We're going to serve the Lord. He said, I like to take up where Paul right there said, in the way that's called heresy. So worship by the God of our fathers. Though there be tattlers come in the church, though there be twisters, though there be all kinds of false prophets and everything come among the church and the people of God in the neighborhood. But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Though all of them quit coming, though the church gets cold and indifferent, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Though if somebody was prayed for and didn't get well, has nothing to do with it. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. God said so. Man is not infallible, but God is. Man, get your you got to get your mind. You get your mind on a man, he'll make a mistake. Maybe not willfully, but he'll do it. God will let him have it. He'll shake your faith away from, my, from men. But our faith is not in the wisdom of man, but in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that where the true seed of Abraham rests their promise. Amen. He said, when the spies came back, he said, oh, you know, that's foolish to go down there. There's no need of going there. They got great giants. They got great this. They got great walls. We're grasshoppers. But he said there was Joshua. He said he was a little bitty runt, tiny fella. But he see, I seen him jump up on a box and say, men and brother, to those two million people, we're more than able. We're not just able, we're more than able. That why? Because God gave the promise. It was their possession. God gave it to them. It didn't matter what the opposition was. Hallelujah. And he says, there you stand today. There stands the church of the living God. I don't care what anyone says, what the doctor says, what anything says, what the unbeliever says. We are more than a match for anything that comes along. Woo, that's a direct quote from the prophet of God. We're more than a match for anything that comes along. We're Abraham's seed. No matter who the enemy is, God gave the promise. Healing is your possession. Salvation is your possession. The Holy Ghost is your possession. Thousands of preachers may come and say it ain't so, but the seed of Abraham says it's so. God said they could have it. They believed it because it was a promise. Joshua stood there and said, the little fella, I don't care how big they are. I don't care how bad they are. I don't care what kind of spear they got. I don't care how high their cities are walled. God gave it to us. He dissolved Joshua's doubts. Joshua had seen enough. I believe. Mercy, how much did they need to see to believe? He tried to dissolve their doubts. Plagues destroyed Egypt. And when Egypt gathered up what they had left and come after him, he destroyed the rest of them. Then there's a rock that follows them. Anytime they needed a drink, there was a rock, gushers of water, food in the wilderness. Their shoes never wore out. Their clothes didn't wear out. There wasn't a sick one among them. How much did they need to see to believe? And I ask you the same thing. How much do you need to see to believe? Cedar Abraham doesn't look at anything natural. They look at the promise. God gave it. I believe it. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
all those men were great men down through the Bible. But they died right in the firing line. But finally one day in Bethlehem of Judah, the royal seed was born. All the rest of them were just shadows foretelling. But now here comes the fulfillment. The royal seed born by a virgin with the power in his veins to conquer death and hell. God made a promise. An ordinary man couldn't do it, but if God makes a promise, he's bound to it. He said, how are we going to do it? Joshua died. Moses died. All of them died. God said, he shall possess the gate of his enemy. Therefore, if God said it, he has to provide a way to prove it. To bring it to pass. The royal seed was born. He was tempted in every manner like we were. Just as you have to be tempted. The devil taking him, spitting in his face, ripping his beard out on a cross, crucified. And here he died. In the middle of it all, he didn't rob back. He held his peace and he died. Brother Branham said he died till the sun got ashamed of itself. Nature got ashamed and failed to operate properly anymore. The sun went down in the middle of the day. The stars wouldn't come out. He died until the elements were so black. And I could, he said, I can imagine nature said, let me die with him. Brother, then the devil sent his precious soul to the bottom pits of hell. There the gates open. He came out on the third day and conquered it. His seed shall possess the gate of his enemy. He conquered death. He conquered hell. And he conquered the grave. And he's more than conquerors through him who loved us. Oh, the day of Pentecost, he sent that power back to those who believe. The baptism of the Holy Ghost to bring them into the promise. And now we have the right to conquer every sickness. Oh, we can shout about that. But he said, we don't even have to conquer it. It's already conquered. We just have to claim the promise and go take it. It's already been delivered to you. Death is conquered. Hell is conquered. Sickness is conquered. Temptation is conquered. All devils is conquered. The grave is conquered. And we stand there with possession and we didn't have to fire a shot. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said in the church of the living God lays the power to heal all sickness. In the church of the living God lays power to overcome all temptation. In possession of the church lays the power to change sin and throw it away and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In the church of Jesus Christ, whatsoever you desire, ask. He's an over of doubts. Have you seen enough to believe what he said? The church of the living God has the privilege of standing and seeing the conquering, resurrected Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, standing present, living in His church, doing the same thing He did then. We can possess every gate. <laughs> oh, do you mind me telling you what's among us? Who's among us? There's no God like Jehovah. 
there's no God like my God. He's the dissolver of doubts. He's the deliverer of the bound. He's the healer of the sick and the afflicted. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He's a light in the darkness. He's a chain breaker. He's a way maker. And he's working even now. Even when you don't see him, he's still working. Hallelujah. Even when the devil's whispering in your ear and say it ain't so, he's still working. Even when you don't feel it, he's still working. Even when you don't see nothing going on around you, he's still at work. He's still healing. He's still delivering. He's still setting the captive free. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. He is still moving among his people. He who walks among us. He breaks every chain. He's here tonight to break every chain. Can you hear those chains falling? I hear the chain of depression falling. I hear the chain of anxiety and fear falling. I hear the chain of sickness falling at your feet tonight. There's no God like my God. Oh, hallelujah. He is here right now to deliver every captive. Have you seen enough to believe tonight? Have you seen enough in your church to know he's still a healer? He's still a deliverer. He's still a Holy Ghost filler. Then if I wanted the Holy Ghost right now, I'd receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. If I need a healing right now, I'd say, yes, Lord, I can, I will, I do believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I needed freedom from that depression, I would say right now, the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm going to shout. I'm going to praise. I'm going to whack through this thing until I break through on the other side and the skies are bright and the birds are singing. Woo, hallelujah. 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 Hello, daddy. Hello, mama. If I had a son or a prodigal out there, I'd go say, let's have a party. Let's kill the fatted calf because they're coming home. Hallelujah. They're coming home. It's in the Bible. I believe it. I can. I will. I do believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I had problems in my marriage, I'd go thinking God right now, he's going to move even when I don't see him moving. He's going to move even when I don't feel him moving. He's going to change the scene even when I can't see nothing but sorrow and dread and fear and everything around me and devils all around me. I'm going to go down to that camp anyway. All I got to do is the prophet said it. It's in the church. It's in the body. Healing is here tonight. Deliverance is in the church of the living God. And I'm going to walk down there and I'm going to take back what belongs to me. Some of you have been living in a cage long enough. It's time you realize you're free. You're delivered. You're set free. Go ahead. With little eagle, rise above that chicken pen. You weren't born for that. You were born for the heavenly sky. He is the dissolver of doubts. Oh, can we worship him tonight? Can Do you have a God like I'm talking about? 
Now, right now, for a moment, I want you to remember where he brought you from. He said, I'm going to take you out, and I'm going to take you in. Now, quit looking at what's in the middle. Start praising him for what he said he's going to do at the end. Listen, there ain't nobody can praise him like somebody that's been saved from sin. Like that, we read that quote last night. That boy said, if you were sitting where I'm sitting, you wouldn't take what I got away from me. By his stripes, I'm healed. And the power of God hit him. And out of his seat he came. And he began to praise God and give God glory. Listen, if you've been where I've been, you wouldn't try to stop me from praising God. If you've been where I've been, you wouldn't stop me from giving God glory. Hallelujah. Do you remember where he brought you from? Now praise him for where he's taking you. Hallelujah. I don't think you caught it yet. Praise him for where he's taking you. He said, I'm going to bring you to a place. It's a large land flowing with milk and honey. Hallelujah. It's called the body change. Woo! That's where we're going. One day this whole veil of humanity is going to fall off and there won't be no more pains. There won't be no more gray hair. There won't be no bones that's creaking and popping. There won't be no more sickness and cancer and sugar diabetes and whatever name of the devil you want to name tonight. It's going to be gone forever. I think I can praise him for that. Because he said it. It ain't my word. He said it. And he's a dissolver of doubt. Let them go ahead and doubt. Let them go ahead and mock and make fun. One day, they may call you holy roller. They may call you crazy. One day, they're going to call you gone. Because I'm leaving here. Is there anybody going? Is there anybody going to a land? Is there anybody going? Oh, hallelujah. A land without sorrow. A land without fear. He is a dissolver of doubts. Oh, go ahead and celebrate your freedom. Just celebrate your freedom tonight. I'm going to a land. There is a rapture. There is a body change. Say what you want to. One of these days, I'm gone. I'm leaving here. Hallelujah. Bless you in the name. Hallelujah.
your job you believe for and that wrapped up both of you standing there you got your job that you believe for you came in through the door last night brother Albert crying in pain it's gone greater than the cancer that Brother Vernon's had to face. If you'll remember, he was the first one in the prayer line. 
greater than your problem tonight. Hallelujah. Let me just say this to you. Regardless of the circumstances that you're standing against right now, the meeting that we'll have is for you next week. But there'll be a lot of other people pulling on it. But this is your time. I don't want you to miss this moment. This is your time. You'll host this meeting and a lot of sacrifices going on. We'll go on in the next week. Today is your night. Today is your moment. Today is your moment. It's been a special day. This has been a real special day. ago told his daddy go now your life was affected by that barn experience your life was affected doctors had done all that they could do they had made the decision not to put skin grafts on a man because he was going to die Sister Connie, that that conversation in a barn affected your life. Andrew was not a preacher then. Matthew was not a service leader then. Not a preacher. Where were some of us? A moment affected us. That moment affected us. Yesterday in my office, Brother Terry, that you took every board down to make sure they were right. You made a statement to me one day, Brother Terry. Said it's got to be done right because the word has got to be straight. I was in the office and the Lord began to talk to me. A 
about Timothy's ministry. You don't have to worry about business, son. I got business for you. God's kingdom. God's kingdom. Last night he he shared with a friend. And it was a lot of doubts that he was going through and worries that he was going through decisions that he had to make. And today on the mountain, the Lord just gave us the perfect moment to just speak to him. Don't you tell me. God don't know how to grab a hold of your life and say, I got this, Brother Doug. I got this. I'd like to say full gospel lighthouse. This meeting was orchestrated by God. I want to take the moment to tell you this night was orchestrated by God. What more do we need to see to believe? it affect who does it affect I didn't get to see I would have never got to see Titus India Reagan Ali or Isaac I wouldn't have got to see some of you but that moment Preserve me that I could sit in your chair and pray for you. That God would bring your family in while you cut my hair. Hallelujah! What a God. What a God. Brother Ray, that's the kind of God we got tonight. That's the kind of God we've got tonight. Hallelujah. That thought in mind before we dismiss tonight. Let's just think just a moment. Concerned so much with the middle. Go back and look where he brought you from. Just take a couple seconds where he brought you from and where he's got you at now. Hallelujah. And where he's taking you to. Where he's taking you to.
Almighty God. Some moments are so huge. We'll never be able to kind of use the words properly to say of how huge that moment was. But this is a huge moment. How much more do we need to see? We're without excuse. Sound of freedom last night. And the dissolver of all doubts tonight. What a mighty God that you are. Oh God. Lord, you see our individual situations just now. I committed to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I lay it in your hands. I lay it in your hands right now. And I believe. I lay it in your hands and I believe. Hallelujah. 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 Let's just sing that you are God alone. You are God alone from before time.
you offer God your praise this evening. I say thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming by my way, speaking directly to our hearts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is a special day from the beginning to the end. Our hearts have been blessed. Amen. Amen. Now why don't we give Brother Timothy and his family a hand clap this evening. Amen. Then Jesus came. Then Jesus came. Amen. What a wonderful God. And to think this is the prelude. My Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'd say if 2020 rolls around, I'd say Labor Day meetings next year are going to be over the top. I can't wait to get to this one. But you know, I was, I was with our young people this past week as we were practicing songs of worship here at my house and I had all of the young people begin to go around and tell about what their expectations were for the meeting. And there were several that were saying, you know, it feels like we're, we're just on, we're on the climax of something. The services keep building up and building up. And Sister Katie Grimm's words were to that they've been building up so much that it feels like we're on the cusp of a great breakthrough. I believe the breakthrough started this evening. I believe it started this weekend. I believe that I believe that there are eagles that are hatching out, that are flying above all of their doubts and all of their fears. Hallelujah. What a God that we serve. We are under great expectation from a living God to come one more time. We want to be praying for the upcoming meetings and the things that are in store. And so we want to dismiss all of the sis or all of the brothers at this time, but Sister Connie would like to meet with all of the sisters just for a few moments. So as the brothers will dismiss you this evening, the brothers are dismissed. So the sister will stay just for a few moments, and then I'd, I'd like to speak with the musicians after that. Amen. God bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus.